Hey, Mike. Hey, Michelle. How are you? I'm good. Hectic. How are you? I'm good. Good. How's your connection in Chattanooga? Um, I think it's okay. Does it sound bad? Uh, no, I'm just trying to make a, like a double entendre about connection. Oh. <laughs> 406, Michelle, a connection is made. A connection is made, yep. For Halt and Catch Fire and West Coast Project, what did you think of this episode? Um, guess, I want you to guess what I thought about this episode. Uh, I think you liked it. Yeah, I did. I loved it. I really, really loved it. What did you think? I thought it was okay, although I thought they came to a rapid conclusion or they kind of rushed a few scenes, two or three scenes that seemed to race through faster than felt normal. Hmm. Okay. But overall, I liked it. Why did you like it so much? Well, because, you know, I mean, I've got they just really fed me all my little girly emotions. Right. I mean, I, I got the, the whole episode was just so emotion filled and had such tender moments in it that I just thought it was really, really good. I mean, it was one thing after another with that. Yeah. I really like Suzanne, Susanna, Suzanne Skaggs, Susanna Skaggs, Haley. She's uh, quite a good little actor. I don't know if she's really 14 in real life. She's Haley's 14 in the show, but she's really coming on strong. Yeah, yeah, and I I kind of liked that little twist that they threw into it. Like like she's become more of a main character in this episode certainly and she's been more this whole uh, season and I like that. I I thought it was pretty good. I thought we focused on Joni a lot in the past, and I think it's pretty cool to focus a little bit on Haley. Although we focused on Joni some too, and she became more interesting to me in this episode. Yeah, they're giving Joni some life that she's not just such a one track actor here. Right. It's a little better. Right. So, Michelle, this can't really end. You know, we won't really get to see the end of where the Internet can really go, even though they're trying to give us hints, you know, to where we know it is in 1995 or whatever. But there's only four episodes left in this show, but we don't really know what what the Internet's going to do and where it can really go. You know, we're trying to see what they do next, but I kind of came up with that thought, too, as I was watching Well, yeah, and also I think that's probably why I give them some creative license to rush these episodes because it feels like we do have, and and I realize that the episodes that were rushed or the ones I think you're talking about are not necessarily talking about uh, the Internet specific, the work proper, but I have to give them some creative license to hurry because we do only have – it's just like you said, there's four more episodes and or or yeah, four more episodes, but only three more weeks. We have the next week and the next week and then we double up on the last week like we doubled up on the first week. And then this series is over. So it feels like it's really, you know, I feel us really rushing toward the end of this. And so I want the answers, even if they rush them a little bit. Yeah, I didn't like the rushed parts. It just didn't feel right on this couple of those scenes. Um, so, Michelle, to clean up a couple of 
pieces of housekeeping are one, at least. The person who remembered or found that lullaby was Donna singing to Haley over the phone was OTUSA on Reddit. Reddit oh, are named OTUSA, so th- credits to them. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, all right, so to start, Joe and Cameron are in the Airstream trailer, and powdered by cheese eggs, he's thinking up taglines for Comet. And he's really happy. I love seeing Joe, like, genuinely happy. Who do you think is going to be happy at the end of this whole thing and who's not going to be happy? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They change it. Like you, think Donna, you think Donna will be happy? I think Donna turned a corner. So I hope Donna will be happy. Well, I know a- that. You hope everyone will be happy. Do you think uh, Haley will be happy? Uh, yeah, I do. And is there anyone you think won't be happy? Um, I'm worried about Boz, and that's that's probably about it. That's about it. All right. What about you? Um, I'm not so sure Joe will be happy. Uh, he may have to settle for what he gets, but. Kind of worried about this new interloper with Cameron, this fan site person, angel investor person. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm not worried about it, but I'm just saying it's probably something coming. It seems like Joe and Cameron are doomed. All the stuff going on that's kind of, they're they're just not meant to be together. Like he wants kids. She doesn't want kids. There's there's so many little hints that they're not going to work out, but I don't think. I think that relationship's doomed. Maybe they'll be happy on their separate ways, but I don't think the relationship will be happy. Really? I'm, I I don't know. I mean, I haven't given up on them yet. They have this... I don't know, Mike. You, you do this thing where you don't like Joe with other people, and you don't like Cameron with other people, but then you don't like them together. I like them together. I just don't think they're going to end up together. Okay. That's fair enough, I guess. How about Cecil? You think he'll be happy, Michelle? <laughs> um, no, I do not think Cecil is happy at all, nor will he be happy in the foreseeable future, unless Donna, we jump ahead very far. Donna fires Cecil for all the pain he's been through. He doesn't want to go. So I don't know, Michelle, if you're going to start to agree with me or not, but for all the pain she forced them into, he does not want to leave this. That I mean, they're they're deeply involved in this project even though she kind of shoved it down their throats i don't think he should have left that was her fault i mean it wasn't her fault but it was certainly wasn't cecil's fault yeah but fault. he's not competent for that role he doesn't know he doesn't know what to do yeah maybe not but he could have taken a you know a lesser role in the company it was his company it's like he said he started that with his friends i would not if if i were going to be forced out it would be by my friends although she did lay that line on him about um you know he has to do it for the good of his friends well he was engaged in deception too that's not good He, he had to go competency but, and fooling the other partners and fooling the investors and you know this whole scene by the way is a mirror of donna's scene coming up Don, this is donna's pr- practice for her scene with diane she has yes. to go yeah it's donna's comeuppance finally 
And I hate that I was glad to see it, but I was glad to see it. She kind of deserved that. And, and she didn't handle it as well as Cecil did. I still say for how much we criticize Donna, she's trying her best. She's, she's coming up with wrong solutions to problems and complicating things and making mistakes. But I think she's trying her best, however short that comes up. Eh, I don't know. Uh, Michelle loves Donna. I actually do love Donna. I do love her. And I love her enough that I want to see her reach her potential. And I'm not going to cut her any slack on all this meanness, mean girl, and and stupid stuff that she's doing. I know she's better than that. Well, don't you think Diane is kind of mean? Mean is part no, of business. No, I don't. As a matter <laughs> of fact, I think Diane... Um, for the most part, now before I'm I'm not talking about seasons past, but I think Diane embodies what you've talked about as far as being a manager, uh, what you've kind of laid on Donna. I don't think Donna's good at what she does as far as that goes. And I think Diane is. I think she does what has to be done for the business. And I just think it's not as celebrated because I don't know, they don't portray her as young as 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 young and beautiful and all that as Donna. I think Diane is the business person. And well, I think she's not central to the story. But yeah, Diane's a much better business. Donna's Donna's way out over her skis on this. I've always said that. I just like she's she's doing the right things. She's not doing them them the right way. She had to fire Cecil, but she didn't have to do it the way she did. She doesn't I mean she now she wants to back engineer the algorithm by a new person coming in and reversing it so she can cover up the whole thing. That's not smart. So No, but how how um full circle did we come with that? Because that's how we started the whole series with Joe coming in and wanting to do that with IBM. Remember? Yeah. To to Cardiff. So I mean that's just like I loved how they came full circle with that anyway. So Donna tells Cecil, I know what it's like to feel like a failure and um, gives him the words to say and putting the words in his mouth almost. But then they get going to end up be the words she has to say later coming up. Yep. That's right up to the credits. And so we come back from the credits and Gordon shows Haley now the rockets for her 14th birthday. This is a pretty interesting scene. Did you ever have rockets like that when you were a kid, Michelle? I did not. Did you? Yeah, I did. Not the big giant one, like the Gemini one with all the Mm -hmm. drawings on it. But they had little ones that you put a rocket engine in. And uh, it was always expensive. Those rocket engines were like three for $10. So it was like when you're a little kid, you know, you're 10, 12 years old, it's hard to come up with the rocket engines, the money for the rocket engines. (laughs) And we didn't have the nice remote control launchers. We had, you'd stick a fuse in it and light it and step back. But yeah, it was pretty cool. The rocket would go up, shoot off its parachute, and float back down. It's pretty cool. No, we never did that. Uh, So Donna explains the Cecil situation to the rest of the team, and we learn about this magical Bobby Aaron CTO candidate. He's going to pop up later in the episode here. Yeah, and she's very confident about I mean she she's not confident but she's portraying confidence about being able to get him and talking about how he would be lucky to work for them that was kind of interesting See, this is good this is good management to think like this guy should be freaking lucky to come to us she she's in 
imparting this confidence in these people, even if they're not able to grasp it, like they reject this injection of confidence. But I think it's good. That's a good lesson. It's like you can, you should be proud of this place, and people should be proud to come here. They should want to come here, even over IBM. I, know, well, I, I don't like that. Yeah, I didn't see her as as. Um... Or I didn't see them as rejecting him. They were excited when they heard about him. But everything she does with this with this rover, this company, this separate entity feels contrived and it feels manipulative. And I just remember when she went to Diane, who was the venture capitalist, and how she manipulated Diane to get what she wanted in her business with Cameron. And now she's manipulating Rover. I mean, she just manipulates everything. Well, you call she- it that. I call it, I call it a lot of what she does, like just trying to get them to think bigger and be better. Don't be a medical database company. Be a whole internet, internet database search engine. She, she's pushing them way beyond their limits, but that's what's good about Donna. You don't you like that, but I do like that. that. No, I don't, because I don't think that that that's her her place to take this business and turn it into something else. It's like we discussed last time. I think, you know, if they want to be a medical database company and they're happy there, then that's where they should be able to be. It's their business, not her business. And just because she invested in their business doesn't mean that she gets to change their business. She didn't like people doing that with her when they had their business. I don't know. I just feel like she's such a hypocrite and stuff like that. And I just know she can be better. I mean, we've seen like moments of brilliance and and compassion and wonderful things in Donna. And then we see like this ugly side and Gordon even talks about it a little bit later. She talks about it with Gordon. I mean, I it's all right, Michelle, I give up. We have a profound division on that. that. That's her job to push people and to get them to excel. And they put more and more money in and they have to come up with a bigger idea. She told them that back in the second or third episode. That's just that's just life. You, you got to rise up or you're out. <laughs> well, you are the businessman. You can't and be I'm nice. Not, you t- so. can't just be nice. Oh, you want to do that? Okay, you do that. We'll, we'll we'll help support you do that. That's not how it works. No, absolutely. You don't have to help support them, but if they come to you with their idea and you, you either support it or you don't, you don't change it. Well, that's what they did. They came. She's not her, good at it. They came to her with that idea and she said, "Great, we'll invest X," and then they needed more they needed xxx and she said you need a bigger idea then if i keep putting more time and money in you need a better product but i don't think that was even what it was i felt like she was wanting to change them then that was after she'd gotten that information from gordon and i think she had it it was all like part of her plan to change them because she needed to change somebody and the thing about it is if donna had a good track record fine but she doesn't. Well, she's her new in- at this. She's rising up. No, I'm up. talking about her intuition in business. Yeah, They've she's new it. at it. She's she's pretty new at it. She's not a Diane. She's you know a junior version of Diane. She's learning this. Right. She's but making I'm not a lot of mistakes to- <laughs> for sure. I'm not talking about the venture capitalist business. I'm talking about when she was in business with Mutiny and all that. Her. All the way through, her instincts have not been great. So to take this other company and, you know, want to put her, her you know, her stamp on it, I, I don't trust it. But we'll see. Well, I mean, you know, we well, know. She, she kept mutiny together, though. She yeah, kept but then the she, team. Ran, she killed it. 
Single-handedly, she killed Mutiny. And we agreed with her. We thought Cameron was being ridiculous, but she killed Mutiny. Taking it public. Killed it. Well, but she but running the comp that was a that was a strategic decision, but running the company, she took care of all the shit that mutiny people caused. She was right. a pretty good manager of mutiny. Exactly. She was a good manager, but her instincts on where to take the company were not good. And now she's doing that to Rover. And we know, I mean, there was never a a uh, search engine that we remember called Rover. Well, so we if, know you went to, if you go to venture capitalists and investment managers, their track record, their batting average is probably 100. It's probably one out of 10 or one out of 30. It's not everyone is a home run. They, they, inv- they take shots at stuff. So I don't blame Donna for mutiny. Not, I mean, she, she did her best with what she had to do and what she could do at the time. I don't understand why you defend her like that. She manipulated. She she pushed everything. She felt like she knew better than everybody else, and she didn't. And I'm just, it's its uh, interesting to me how you defend her in that. And well, it makes I'm me just wonder you psychologically. Can't, you just can't support people just because it's what's good for them. When they become part of a relationship that involves, a, you know, they're invested in by this company's, whatever the stupid name of the investment team is. Agate. They have to agic. Yeah. <laughs> they have to they have to rise up or or your investment is out. You have to step up. Anyway, we beat this kind of to death, but Yeah. Um So this CTO guy Bobby Aaron, we're going to see him coming up pretty soon. So they do the rocket party at Cameron's Field and they see the tattoo on the rocket the the sparrow or the bird, whatever that color, colorful bird is, or we see it. Uh, Cameron tells Gordon that Gordo or Gordon tells her that Gordo means beautiful. <laughs> right. It means fat actually. And, um, that was kind of funny. I think they both knew it. It was just kind of being funny. And Haley has not invited any of her school friends to this, Michelle. Why do yeah, you think? I don't, I don't think she had many school friends. What do you think is going think- on with Haley at school? I think, um, well, I I think Haley is just completely disconnected now. Haley lives for her work, which is certainly following in her parents' footsteps. And um, I don't think she has any connection to school much at all. What do you think? Do you think it's any worse than that? Like, we clearly are seeing Haley discovering her sexuality, and she's probably bisexual or lesbian right and do you think she's maybe getting bullied at school and picked on at school and that's why she doesn't like school and that's kind of why she's failing at school and that's why she embraces uh, comet so much maybe i mean certainly something like that could be going on i pictured it more like just that internal conflict it seems like she's really struggling with realizing who she is and everything like we all did when we were that age you know i mean really struggling to embrace who you are yeah but i think it specifically might be related to her sexuality yeah yeah i agree with that cameron even tries to explain this to gordon how friends at school are overrated and she puts kind of a nice stamp on it right 
And I don't know what Cameron's background is with her sexuality. She's always kind of been hetero, but she seems to understand that, and maybe it is just what you said, that school's hard and it's better to get away from those people sometimes if they don't understand you. Right. And she also says she's sick of technology at age 32. And But we don't buy that for a second, right? Why don't you buy it? Well, because she just did that for Boz. And she told Joe that the reason she did it was because she wanted to see if she could. She's not sick of technology. She wants to be done with technology. In her perfect world, she's going to be, you know, in, in her mind, she's going to live in an airstream in a field with, you know, campfires and whatever. But but that's not who she is. So I think we see Haley embracing who she is. I think at the end of this, we see Cameron embracing who she is. Um, so I, th- I thought that was pretty cool. What and I. The- what if the angel investor girl is right, that she's not a game developer, she's a world developer? Maybe she is sick of technology and she's more of an artist that wants to write story. You know, essentially that game about Pioneer is a story. It's a story about ne- negotiating your way through life. Maybe she's sick of the coding and she's more into the story creation. Yeah, yeah, Maybe. Maybe I I didn't really think about it like that. I was just thinking along the lines of, I don't know. I think Cameron's going to do something big. I think that's what they're setting us up for. There's Although no point, there's no reason for her to lie here to Gordon that I'm sick of technology and have it to be a lie. Well, technology is not just coding. Take yeah yeah there is because. That's who she wants to be. You know, we sometimes portray ourselves as one thing, but that's not really our our authentic self. And I think that and and there ends up being a clash between those two things. And I think we, we're seeing that with Haley. I think Haley and Cameron are really mirrored in this a lot. So why wouldn't why wouldn't Cameron be honest with Gordon here? Why would because she lie? It's not a lie because she's not honest with herself yet until she hears what that angel investor says to her. And she kind of relives her her past through that through that email and kind of came to the realization it's not a lie. If that's what you think, if that's what you're you're telling yourself, if that's what you've bought into. I don't know. That seems overly complicating it. I think she's just expressing how she feels to Gordon. Well, Mike, she's not sick of technology because at the end, I mean, when we hear the the modem signing on, the, she has a look on her face that I don't know if we've, I don't think we have ever seen on Cameron's face of pure bliss. I mean, she is embracing this. And I was really struck by the look on her face when that was going on. It was great acting. She has missed this. She is home. Yeah, that's because she can do what I, I the, here's where I was wrong, saying that she can't sit in the field. Well, maybe I wasn't wrong, but she can't sit in the field in bucolicness and just be happy in nature. She needs to be connected to something that where she can do her work. I'm just thinking that her work isn't, coding and like building a company anymore it's like just 
world building, storytelling. No, absolutely. You could be right with that. I'm just saying the technology is is the internet. The technology is her connection with that to create something. And I don't think she's going to go out and do something completely different in it, even though she may not be doing coding. But I think she still, I, I think she still loves that. You don't do something to see if you can, unless it's something that you really do love, I wouldn't think. All right, Donna and Joni have a talk now. She and uh, Joni comes in on Donna. She's listening to Sweet Jane, Lou Reed, Sweet Jane, but the Cowboy Junkies version, the real slow version. And uh, Donna gives her the first courage talk, Michelle. Does a cartwheel <laughs> at the end, re- reminiscing of her time cartwheeling off the quarry into the big lake. Yeah, reminiscing and testing the waters of does she still have it does she still have this courage is she still the person she was that day i thought that was really a cool cool scene and i loved the conversation the first time that she had it with Joni. the second time made my stomach hurt but the first time was like great i loved that so next scene joe and camera joe and cameron with his camera Um, hinting about kids and Cameron jokes about maybe just giving birth to a 14 year old. Um, and this is, this is where she finds the groupies page about the how of it all on the computer. At first I thought she was looking at Joe's computer and reading his mail, but I guess it's this, their, their email or her email on his computer. Um, Could you read any of that? I tried to read it, but I couldn't make it out on my TV. What did you want to know? Just what the email said. I couldn't read it. I mean, I saw the pictures and stuff, but I couldn't read what the content of it was. No, I just looked at the pictures of the okay. stuff she had done in in her career. Right. All right, Joe goes on with his camera um, and asks people, what's the very first thing you think of on the Internet? And 90% of the answers are about porn. <laughs> um, yeah, nothing computer or porn was pretty much what we got out of that. So it was interesting, this other little injection of technology, Joe's camera, like video cams, I guess were starting to become pretty big in 1995. They were small and they had a digital tape. Right. You could could essentially carry it around without needing a bunch of other gear and batteries and stuff, developing the film or anything. And people carried them. Uh, yeah, well, Donna calls Gordon next, and Haley's flunking out in school, so she's got some problems in school. I don't know. I just think Haley's smart enough to be able to hand her, handle her classes and have this job. I think something else is bugging her at school. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I didn't get that so much, but you could certainly be right with that. So and Joe, it's funny how they ended up arguing over who's going to be the bad guy. Uh, Really? I didn't like that. These these are good parents, you know, and nobody's the bad guy in taking charge of, of you know, making sure that she does the things she needs to do. Mm, I don't know. I, I could see that coming up. I could see them saying it, and I guess I might have taken it a little bit, you know, heavy-handedly, but I didn't... I don't know, particularly in this co-parenting situation. I didn't like seeing the hard stuff passed like that, I guess. There were a couple of things I picked on in my notes after watching it the first time that when I watched it again, it didn't seem so egregious 
in the scene. It, it seemed like I was just kind of picking at it, like looking for faults in it. Right, but well, I don't think I don't. I could see a couple saying that. Why do I have to be the bad guy? You, you know, you tell her. So anyway, okay. they they decide that she needs a talking to. Um, Joe has now next seen an awkward, pretty awkward lunch with Haley. I thought this was kind of a birthday lunch where he was taking her out for right, lunch, but right. at the at the explaining the scenes part of the episode, the writers say that Haley took Joe there. I guess it still could have been a birthday lunch, like, hey, Haley, where do you want to go for lunch? And she takes him to this hound dog hot dog place. Right. It's her favorite restaurant. But here's where they meet. Uh, Joe meets Vanessa, the tattoo girl. Yep. And um, and Joe catches it, like, quick. Yeah, well, Joe's by himself, so he knows. I don't know if that helps him with this, but he's pretty savvy about reading the whole relationship. Well, right. And also when he's talking to Haley and Haley's like real forthcoming about what she loves about the Internet. It's the fact that people can be themselves on there. And that really rings true to Joe. And they've showed us, you know, watching Joe, following people around and asking them. And it's very superficial answers. And the answer that this kid gives him, this answer that Haley gives him is really very, very deep. It's a deep thought-provoking answer, which was interesting. Yeah, it's actually pretty ironic, too. No one pretends on the web they're the real selves. And now we have all this catfishing and people faking identities. And um, Well, yeah, but at the same time, you also have people online who, who are, I think, their authentic self. Responding yeah, they're able to, to express things. themselves without fear of retribution in person. Well, that, but they're also able to let parts of themselves out that they would never do. You see it all the time, like in comments on on articles and stuff. People are ugly, and they say things that they would never probably say to somebody in person if you were having this conversation. So I do think it's a double-edged, you know. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I just sure. said. That they, they also make statements about things that they're not confident enough to say to a person in real life. Right. Like, I feel this way, or I like this. So I would never tell somebody I like that face-to-face, but on the web, you can be a little bit more more secure maybe right. or confident all right uh next interview next one is uh, donna interviewing bobby aaron um this is an extended interview michelle takes about <laughs> 12 hours that's quite the interview um this is where i started seeing things happening as too quickly too herky-jerky like he tells her, okay, I've I got to tell you, I accepted this morning at Microsoft, but then four minutes later, he changes his mind. Not even four, not even four minutes, unless you timed it. I mean, it just felt like it was just like immediately. I agree with that. So either he's angling to like sleep with her and just say, oh, you know what, you you lost me, but you could get me back, which I don't think is the case, but I guess it's a possibility. Um, But really, he says, I loved community. I grew up with it. Um, He's a groupie. He's a Donna groupie. A camera groupie. No, community specifically. He was telling Donna she's ahead of her time. I think he knew Donna did community. Seemed like he did. And I just felt like he was he was certainly a mutiny groupie. And I felt like he was more of a Donna groupie. And that's probably why he kept this. Well, he said it was why he kept this uh, meeting. 
Well, yeah, then Donna says it was the real, the thing I really loved, and the entire world could be community, the Internet, and potentially implying that Comet could turn into community as Rover takes over the thing that Comet was trying to be. Oh, okay, so, say that again. That Comet won't be, ever catch up to Rover now because the, they have the code and they have the money, right. and so the Comet has to become something else or just dissolve, and maybe Comet will become... I don't know, the AOL community or the AOL instant messenger, you know, community, some sort of internet community and not just a game of mutiny community, but the, you know, the chat rooms and stuff. Sure. I didn't get that. I didn't even think about her talking about common at all. That's interesting. But this is what changes his mind. And, um, in the short, whatever you're right. It is like 30 seconds later, but I'm just, I was putting my stamp of real time on there. Uh, so anyway, he tells her he needs her to be his shark side. <laughs> and then they wake up in bed, or she wakes up in his bed the next morning. Pretty, <sighs> pretty quick um, pretty quick shifting of gears there, Michelle, at the bar. Well, yeah, real quick shifting of gears. And then Donna, with her drinking, she decides to order another. You know, when she's making really, she's she does really just poor decision-making skills when she's drinking, like probably a lot of us, but that's that was bad. Michelle, I can't sit here and let you badmouth Donna. <laughs> okay, sorry. Everybody has a drink after work. <laughs> right. All right, the next scene I thought was also very herky-jerky, and this is Diane. Okay, no, wait, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me ask you. He's not coming on board, right? Uh, That's what he was saying. Because he comes in there, he goes, so about working for you or something to that effect. That's what I heard. That's not exactly what he said. And she goes, no, it's fine. He says says something like, well, let's talk about product or work or something. And she's, I don't know if she meant like right now, dude, right now, I don't want to talk about anything. I just want to leave your apartment. (laughs) Or if she meant like forever permanently, I don't want to talk anymore about this. Like we've ruined this. I can never be your manager or your work partner. Well, yeah. Well, he says the job. That's what he says. He goes, so, you know, I'd like to talk to you about the job. And the way he says it is like, I ain't coming there. And she she's like, No, it's fine. No, I didn't take of- that. I didn't take it that way. I thought he may I thought he meant one of two things, like we're in a totally awkward situation right now with you in my bed and me standing here with a cup of coffee. So hey, let's talk about work to like kind of ease out of this awkward situation and the sex part of it. Or in real life, he just want you know, or he wasn't concerned about the uh, the uncomfortable setting, and he just really did want to talk about work. But either way, she says, "No, we're not going to talk about that right now," or "That's okay." She just wanted to leave, and I don't know if that meant for the moment or for per, you know longer term. Okay, I felt like he was the one who said, "I'm not really taking the job. There's no way." But could be. Yeah, I don't know. But now that was just my take. Things are going to change with her and the job, so maybe he can take it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the next scene I thought also was very rushed. Donna proposing to Bosworth. Diane. Or Diane, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or Donna. Who who knows? So yeah. here, did you mention earlier in, the, in our podcast here that Diane wasn't as pretty as Donna? 
I didn't say that. I said because I think she's very pretty. I don't think she's portrayed that way though. I don't think she's portrayed as the as the glamour. She's she's portrayed and and it's it's nonsense, right? Because she's got kids the same age as Donna's kids. She's not that much older than Donna, but I think they portray her as uh, more more matronly, and she's not portrayed the way Donna is portrayed. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I I saw Diane in this scene with Boz as totally beautiful, Annabeth Gish. She's really pretty in this scene where she's figuring out what's going on with Boz. Right. I agree. So he tells her she proposes to him because she was worried that he was sick and she didn't know what was going to happen. She doesn't know how much time they have left, all that stuff. And he says that he tells her the truth about the about the situation with the money. And then she just walks out on him. Why can't they talk about this, Michelle? She turns heel and walks. He tells her two things. He tells her about the bad investment. And about the Cameron doing the right. coding, but why doesn't she say whoa, whoa, whoa? What are we, what are we talking? She just doesn't talk and she leaves, turns heel and leaves. Um, yeah, and that's bad. That's really, really bad. The only thing I could think is that when she came in there and started talking to him and kind of proposed to him. He was like, "Oh, honey, my heart. Don't don't do this to my heart or something, right?" And maybe she didn't want to be angry at him no. because they sh- no. no. Well, they showed Boz is kind of weak in this one. He was, you know, taking small steps and he certainly looked like he was convalescing. And so I just took it as she didn't it wasn't a good time. Well, that doesn't make it any better to just walk out on him. No, it doesn't. No. No, she's pissed. She, But instead of like talking it through with him, even expressing her anger, she just leaves. It was like totally rushed, I thought. Yeah. It kind of, I don't even know if it killed their marriage, <laughs> kills off their chance at marriage or whatever, but we're kind of left with that as a mystery. Right, right. We don't know. It's an honesty gap that they have, and she doesn't ask him. Like, well, how, she just says. She, well, the other thing, she doesn't ask him about the honesty. Like, well, you lied to me. What's on, what's up? She just says, "How much? How much did you lose?" Like a business person, not a not a relationship partner. <laughs> right. Like that yeah. was more important than the honesty gap. That that was strange. And I mean, I can't speak for other women, but I know I would have like 10,000 questions. You know, I would ask everything. I could not probably even hold it in to wait, even if I felt like it'd be a better idea to wait, because I'd want to know. So that didn't seem realistic to my life, but I do realize that other people are different. So I'm really wondering what they're going to do with these last four hours of this show, Michelle, because the the next scene also was a f- too fast one, I thought. Like they're rushing to get us to this point and then they're going to, you know, we're kind of at the the pivot point of the whole story and then we're going to see the resolution. But what are, what is the resolution going to be? Because they rushed to this scene too, this Gordon and Haley scene. Right, three in a row, right? And he's talking to her about the grades. She has to stop work to improve her grades. That's all fair. That's all, like, logical. But Well, yeah, but, I mean, come on. I, I tend to side with Haley on this a little bit. Couldn't we say you've got a couple weeks to get this under control, and if you don't get it under control, then you're going to be put on a temporary hiatus here until you do? I mean, that seems like it would be more 
encouraging to her to do something about her grades than to just go, nope, you're out of here. You're out of here for until further notice. That just well, feels strong-arming to this me. This is a scene I gave a little bit more grace to the second time I watched it that maybe it wasn't quite so rushed because, I don't know. It, it just seems like they could have both been better with it. Like Gordon could say, all right, if in two weeks your grades aren't better, like you said, or she could have – or Haley could have said – all right, Dad, I get it. I'm out for two weeks, totally out of work, if comment for two weeks, but then I want back in if I can get these grades back up or a month or something. Right. But she's, she's totally off the deep end. She throws the milkshake. And then he says, clean it up, bitch. <laughs> he's like, clean it up. It's like, that's not Gordon. That's not Gordon at all. He's, he's like demanding her to clean it up when she's obviously in a bunch of emotional stress here. Like, it's not like, Haley, what are you doing? Or, Haley, we need to talk about this. It's like, clean it up? That didn't match his personality at all, I thought. Yeah, well, um, I mean, we saw him talk about it a little bit later with Joe about, you know, trying to be a good parent, discipline, consistency, and that kind of thing. And I can certainly see why it would be important to him that she clean that up yeah, but not after she behaved that her. way. Now you're going to have to clean that up, Haley, because that's not the proper way to act when you have an adult situation. He shouted at her to clean it up. But don't you think he also struggles with the fact that Haley is his daughter, but she's, like Joe said earlier, the co-founder, which I thought was really cool in that situation when Vanessa came up at the restaurant and Haley said, this is my boss. And Joe said, co-founder. I thought that was really cool. But anyway, I think Gordon struggles with, you know, this is my daughter, is this my employee? I don't have a problem with that. I, I, I mean, well, actually, I do have a problem if that's the story, if that's what the story's trying to tell us, that Gordon has a problem with his own daughter kind of surpassing him as the founder or equal no, to him. No, 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 not surpassing. I think Gordon still feels like he he manages this company and he does and i think he sees haley as a subordinate but um so he struggles with you know how it is in business i mean you know if you let somebody in there and then they show disrespect to you you know what that does to like the morale and everything you're a business person so i don't know if it was part that i wasn't really sure no, I, I, no, I would, Gordon would be like proud of her, not struggling with how throwing, to manage her as an employee. For throwing a milkshake? No, you'd be proud of her for being, rising so fast enough to be an important person in Comet. He'd be, he'd be a father with her about the milkshake, not, he treated her like a disruptive employee with the milkshake. That wasn't, that's what doesn't add up for me. Right, right. You come I into agree my fucking that. office and throw something against the wall, clean it up, or you're fired. That's what a right. boss would say to some petulant worker. That's not what Gordon says to his daughter, who's clearly troubled by something. He says, honey, what's wrong? You know, that's not the right thing to do, and you're going to have to clean that up, but let's sit down and talk about what's wrong. Exactly. That's not Gordon shouting at her to clean it up. Anyway, it was kind of like Diane rushing out. That's not Diane's personality either, to just rush away from Boz. She would, she would talk to him. That's how I understood her personality anyway. That's how I understand Gordon, unless I'm missing it. 
All right, next scene, Donna's looking for her purse. Uh, Diane meets with her about Cameron. But from the news she got about from Bosworth, I guess she came. She goes straight from there to. That's what she rushed out to do. Let's <laughs> go see Donna. Um, well, yeah, Donna had drank. I mean, you know, we've all left stuff, but Donna had drank so much she left her wallet the night before at the bar, and so she's calling about her wallet, and so that's a bad sign. The fact that she slept with this guy—that's a bad sign. And then, man, she's. Rough with Diane, too, right? Michelle, don't badmouth Donna. <laughs> Why not? I mean, people people seem to really dislike when I tell my true feelings on, on some of these uh, characters. I've gotten some, some things where people are like, I can't believe you said that about them. You know, and I'm like, well, it's how I felt, you know, so... Well, this is a direct mirrored parallel of Donna's talk with Cecil, Diane's talk with Donna. Uh, Donna has a super dumb plan to reverse engineer the code and cover it up that it came from Cameron and just make it look like they figured it out. Nobody will ever know. And Diane gives her the straightforward solution, which is the smart way. It's just we buy it from Cameron and it's ours. We own it and everything's on the up and up. Uh, but Donna has trouble talking to Cameron. She can't do it. And this is where she starts to meltdown. And uh, Diane, now this, now Diane, you could say, oh, well, Diane's pretty mean to Donna. She doesn't understand. But I like Diane being tough, too, here, just like I like Donna being tough. Diane removes her from the project in favor of Trip, <laughs> our, fa- our favorite character, Trip, who Donna hates. Not just somebody else, but Trip. <laughs> And Donna says exactly what Cecil said. That's not fair. Well, yeah, and, and you're you're right. It is. It's perfect uh, mirror of what she did with Cecil because Cecil started this. He worked it. He got everything going, and then she booted him. Well, Donna started this, got everything going, and now she's being booted. The thing about it is, is I don't think Diane would have booted her if she hadn't had that reaction. When Diane told her, no, let's go get this from Cameron. I don't think Diane came in there to boot her from this project. I but think I she think, did. Okay, I don't. I don't think so. I think when when Diane or when Donna started saying, no, I can't, I can't, and she's like being childish, then Diane's like, okay, I can't do this with you anymore. This is what we're going to do. That's how I took it anyway. I think, Don, I think Diane is the same with Donna as she was with Boz. And when she found out Boz was dishonest with her, she and now she knows Donna's been dishonest with her, that was the end. No, 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 because this isn't... Donna wasn't dishonest about this. Donna just found this out. She hadn't even had time to go to Diane about this. I mean, you know, you could do it in the, while Boz is laying in the back of the hospital. But it's like Donna said. She said, I had my suspicions, but I didn't know until I spoke with Cameron, which was at the hospital. This This just happened that Donna knew. The fact that Donna wanted to handle it bad and the way she was telling Diane she wanted to handle it. And and then when Diane said, well, you need to go to Cameron, and she she's literally childish in her, no, no, I can't. I can't do that. I mean, it's insane when your boss is telling you this is how something needs to be done. And I think that's when Diane said, okay, I'm done with this. 
And I think Donna's behavior right then caused that. She there was no reason for her to be held responsible for what happened when she didn't even know about it until just now, essentially. Yeah, but I think that's a phone call you make even 10 o'clock at night. Like, Diane, hey, I found out that something happened and you need to know about it. I don't think Not if wait. it's about Boz. See, that really put her in, in a position. How could she call Diane when Boz has just had a heart attack and tell her something about Boz? I mean, she had to wait and for a little bit on that, just out of... And she literally found out why he was in the hospital. And I think that's why they showed us fi- her finding out while they were in the hospital. Well, unless Diane is realizing that Donna is a complete wreck, she does say, get yourself together. But unless she's making a re-decision that Donna is not set for this role, which she may very well be doing, um, she's, she's essentially saying, God, I made a huge mistake putting you in this role. Well, right, because, you know, it's, it feels like she's been leaning in that direction anyway. At first, they were buddy-buddy and everything was great. It almost felt like they were, you know, on the same equal level in the company and stuff. And then, um, as time has went on this season, you see Diane scolding Donna a little bit more and telling her, don't act like this, Donna, and really kind of being doing these little gentle reminders. And then I think this Donna doing this blow up, um, she just is saying, okay, this, this is not going to work. I thought she handled it great. And I couldn't help but feeling like Donna absolutely deserved it based, but, but not based on the Cameron thing, based on the fact that she is out of control and also based on the fact of, you know, karma and (laughs) she, kind of deserved it because she just did the exact same thing. Yeah, it's interesting. Donna kind of proves this by taking this parting shot that this would never would have happened if Boz could be able to talk to you. Oh, I know. I know. What do you think about that? Well, I I think Donna, I don't know. You know that I kind of like Donna more than you do, but I think she's just like Cecil. She's over her skis, too. She doesn't have the abilities to do this. She just can't manage these responsibilities very well. But, I mean, remember what Cameron did to Donna. Like, I'll do this project, but not with you. You're out. And you can say, well, that's because Donna threw the Joe under the bus. But still, I mean, Donna has some pretty strong feelings about Cameron for that for that very reason. Sure. And I thought that was horrible. And I, you know, I said it at the time, I thought that was ridiculous and it should never have happened that way. And then particularly when Cameron didn't even show up for work, she wasn't even there, but you know, Donna's done stuff to Cameron too. And I'm not talking about the Joe thing, saying that about Joe, I'm talking about the mutiny thing. And I mean, it's certainly complicated. I still think Donna and Cameron are going to come back together. I mean, that's why some of this is kind of hard because first of all, I I don't understand why Donna can't just fake it with Diane. Like, oh yeah, sure. I'll go. I'll get that signed. Like, even if you hate freaking doing it, just go do it. It's your job. Diane is her friend, but she's also her boss and has the power to see her. Oh, I can't do that. Like, come on, man, step up and do it. Even if you hate the person, It's it's just a signature. It's just, you know, Exactly. You can't even face the person for five minutes. 
Yeah, but it's not just the signature, really. Do you remember back when Diane and Donna, it almost felt like there was this friendly competition, but a really good competition, like they uh, really were good for each other as far as pushing each other to do things, but they disagreed over what needed to be done, but both of them were really good. And Donna really, they've shown us over the seasons that Donna has felt lesser than Cameron as far as, and and she is, I mean, she is, she's brilliant. She's good. She came in and saved Cameron in season one when Cameron lost everything. Uh, Somebody sabotaged it and Donna came in and saved it. But, but, Cameron is the brilliant one. Donna is really good, but Cameron is the Joe. She's the inventor. And I think Donna hates that. She hates that she couldn't do what Cameron did. So I think it's a much more than just getting a signature. I think it's an admission to Cameron, you are better than me because you did something that I could never do. Well, everybody's really better at some things than other people. I mean, you're not the best at everything. Right. I mean, Cameron could never do what Donna does. Donna, Donna's essentially a mom in a executive role, like way above her capabilities, and she's wearing this executive armor and pretending to be this executive. I appreciate how you keep giving her the mom title, but... Well, she is. She's she's way she's above her pay grade, and she's risen really fast because of her friendship with Diane. And she's she's faking a lot and fronting a lot, and she's cover she's stressed by it. She's covering up with alcohol now, and you know she's essentially going to fail at it. But she's she's a mom. It's interesting how all these roles intercross. Like Joe wants Cameron to be a mom. She doesn't want to be a mom. Donna's a mom. I mean, it's it just. Yeah, but Donna's not doing a good job at either one. She's not uh, doing a good job in her business. She's not doing a good job in her momming. Yeah, I think and that's because of the drinking, though. She it, One of those messages to Joni was really right on what Joni needed to hear. The drinking caused her to repeat it and probably sure. invalid, invalidate it. But I think she is a good mom. Okay. I think her stress I'm, now is causing her problems, but I think she's a great mom. I'm not saying I'm not judging her her motherhood, but I'm saying I don't think she's doing a good job at it right now. There, that's two different things. Um, she she throws off the hard stuff on Gordon because she doesn't want to do it, and they point that out. You know who's going to be the bad guy, and then she does this thing with Joni. I don't know. I just get the feeling that they're showing her not wanting to face the hard stuff in anything in this episode. Well, it's interesting that she's given Joni that message. Don't ever not do something because you're afraid. And she's, she's, she has to believe that herself to impart that upon her daughter. And she's doing a lot of things that she's afraid of, even though she is afraid of it. She's still trying to do them. Well, yeah, but she won't even go to Cameron because she's afraid Right, she's afraid of a lot, but right. she's also very connected to Cameron. She, there's hints about that all left and right. Like she understands Cameron's game, and nobody else does. Right, right. So I think there's some sort of a 
regrouping of Cameron and Donna that that's what I can't figure out how it's going to happen or what it's going to be, but it certainly has to happen. Well, you know, yeah, maybe, or you know how you were saying, I wonder who's going to end up happy in the end. And that's a really good question. I think that we're seeing people realize their own happiness, like Cameron at the end of this, it was just, it was a brilliant scene. And maybe Haley realizing who she is, you know, these people don't have to be together for them to be happy. They don't have to connect. Donna and Cameron don't have to connect again for them to be happy. And for the relationship that they did have to have meaning going forward, if they've learned what they they needed to to learn from the hints and clues that the story is giving us that they, that they're on they're they're they have a very deep level of inter understanding of, of each other that has to resolve itself for the story to be a successful story. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Um, all right. So next we see this angel girl from the, from the meeting. She was the one at the meeting that, that Cameron was at that asked her the question. She took the microphone and asked the question. Right. And then created the fan site and she offers right. to be Cameron's angel. You're not a game designer. You're a world builder. I want to see what you can do next. And she offers to give her all the resources to do whatever she wants. Pretty interesting little wild card here with this girl. It really was. And it was interesting her take on Cameron and the fact that she didn't mind calling her on her BS. I like that. Cameron's like, well, I just wanted to respect the gamer. Calling her on what? On her crap, you know? What do you mean? mean? Well, um, they're talking about Pilgrim, and the girl calls it flawed. And that's like, Cameron is like, it's like she's been, you know, smacked in the face of a glove or something for a second. And she's like, well, I was trying to respect the gamer. And she's like, well, nobody can win. You know, I mean, she, she didn't care to call her on stuff and kind of say, maybe this isn't your thing. But whatever your thing is, I think you're brilliant, and I want to be a part of it. And it kind of reminded me of Ryan with Joe in a different way, but I thought it was great for Cameron. You don't think there's a message there that Donna understands Pilgrim, but this new girl doesn't? Well, that's interesting. I didn't think of that, but— Like, do you call—would you call—I mean, Pilgrim's not a successful financial endeavor— but it's a but it's a personal message about something about Cameron, and just because you don't get it, she calls it. A, I guess she's talking about the commercial endeavor of Pilgrim being a game that Atari couldn't sell. But there, but there's a disconnect there between this new angel girl and Cameron that Donna and Cameron have. I think that's a fair statement, but they they did really just meet, and I think that there's probably a disconnect between Donna and Cameron that this angel girl sees with Cameron. I thought What's it was interesting. That? Well, when she brought up that about, and I bet it's still not what you envisualized. And Cameron says they haven't built that computer yet. And this girl goes, well, maybe they have. And visualized and, might have to type that one in envisioned. Okay. Maybe. 
Yeah, so what do you think this angel girl wants Cameron to do? Anything. I think she wants to be part of Cameron. I think she sees her brilliance. So she's groupy, like a groupie wanting to be close to somebody that you see as a star? No. No, I, no, I don't think so. I, th- I think that she just sees her brilliance and she wants to see Cameron continue. That's all. Why can't she just watch that happen from afar? Why does she have to be the one who steps up and says, I'll give you resources to do it? Well, she certainly could, but why Why wouldn't... But, but Cameron's not doing anything, and maybe she's followed Cameron, because she kind of showed her timeline of everything that she has done, and... Me- we don't know how long this break has been, but it's been a little while. And maybe she just wants to see Cameron continue because she really is concerned about her brilliance and what she has the potential for. Maybe. I think it changes the story, though. The path of the arc of Cameron's story is different if you have an angel investor just giving you resources to to be free from needing to create your own resources that it changes the path of the story um, I, I don't know I kind of see and I don't know if I'm right or wrong about this but I kind of see this angel investor as buying herself a front row seat to the Cameron show like by being her funder instead of just letting that story play out and watching it with interest from real life let let real life show this Cameron story don't become a part of it by giving her resources yeah but what what's wrong with that though what's wrong with giving her the resources because you change you change the struggle that Cameron has by taking away the problems that she has to navigate to make her story <laughs> whatever it would have been yeah but Cameron has zero uh skills in overcoming problems if if somebody doesn't take Cameron's hand and lead her out of this, she's not going to come out of it. That's not necessarily true. She left she left Giant or whatever Cardiff and started Mutiny and survived with like 48 she had to connect an extension cord to the house next door cuz their power bill didn't get paid. Oh, come on. No, she was playing games and the fact that she could play these games and get these other people to do it and uh, she was not the business person in that. They fell into that. That was not her stroke of business genius. It was just her playing games, and it happened to work into this. Hmm. Uh, that's, another, that's another point where we divide Michelle. I think she she kept mutiny going by hook or by crook. She hired Donna. She got Donna to do stuff. She plugged in the house next door when they ran out of power. She decided not to shut down the server, even though it was like slow. She 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 struggled with it, but she made mutiny whatever it became until it crashed. She she is resourceful. Then she got a job at Atari and she met Tom and I mean she is resourceful. She she if she had if she had been given a funding source way back then, she might not have ever created Mutiny. She might not have ever met Tom. She might not have gotten to Atari. She might have just been, you know, creating in a field somewhere. The struggle that you face molds you into who you are, and I think this woman is taking away that struggle. It's interesting that you see her coming and pulling Cameron out of this and 
uh, out of her slump, her self-pity, whatever she's been in, as being a negative, when I see it completely opposite because of Cameron's face at the end, I probably wouldn't even argue this with you if it weren't for that. But the fact of Cameron's face at the end of it just tells me everything I need to know about how good this person is for Cameron. Yeah. I mean, Cameron's face, Cameron getting MCI to hook her up at the end could have happened without this angel investor too, though. Yeah, but it didn't. She wasn't even leaning in that way. She was leaning in the way of, I'm not doing technology anymore. And then this girl talked to her and that's how quickly she changed her mind. We'll see. Yeah, maybe we'll see. Yeah. All right, so the next scene is Joe and Gordon, and Gordon is doing, Michelle, the worst window cleaning job in the history of glass, cleaning that milkshake off the wall. He's just smearing it around. Isn't it ridiculous? you got to get some freaking Windex or something and get the stuff off the glass before you just keep moving it around. Right. Come on. Right. We saw that in... um Oh, which which one was it where the guy was cleaning up the blood on the sidewalk? Fargo. Fargo. And he just took, like, the scrub brush and just, like, went around and around and around, just, like, driving that blood as deeply as he could into the concrete. That so was this Gordon's blood, too. <laughs> right. Right. All right. Joe tries to hint around about Haley's sexuality, but Gordon doesn't get it. He's, uh, he doesn't understand having a place where you feel like you belong and insults Joe about his lack of knowledge with children and parenting. And you don't give a shit about her. You just want what's best for you. It's the same old trope that he repeats to Joe. And this is why you're not a parent. You never will be. Um, Gordon misses connecting here with Joe. He doesn't get what he's trying to impart and he insults him. It was very insulting. I mean, I thought the most insulting thing was him saying that he didn't care anything about Haley. And I don't think that's true at all. We see, have seen him talking to Cameron about Haley, about when she was four years old, she was building forts with couch cushions, and now she's doing this, and look at her and everything. I mean, he obviously cares a lot about Haley. Yeah, Joe's also given some hints about being a good parent. Remember when he went to Donna and the kids when Gordon wasn't there during the storm? And Absolutely. And told them stories and went out and caught the lightning or whatever he did in the, out in the yard. Yeah, he gave them those flashlights and told them that fended something away or so. All they had to do was shine the flashlights on it or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, Joe is great. And that was just really, really over the line for Gordon, I felt like. So the next scene, Donna and Joni again. She, Donna's playing Pilgrim at an, another level. She's like gotten deeper and deeper into this game. It's another level no one has seen before because Joni comes home and says, whoa, what's that level? So Donna, this is where Donna drunkenly encourages Joni to be brave again. And Joni sees the wine glass and is kind of disgusted by it and just goes to leave to talk to Haley. Well, yeah, and Joni's also, she sits down and she's talking about something really exciting for her and positive and important. And Donna is just so self-absorbed that she can't even see that. I thought it was a real disgusting scene. Well, it really hurt my stomach. quasi-alcoholic. So she's, she's addled by essentially, you know, she's tweaked by being drunk all the time. 
I don't think Donna's a bad person. I think she's stressed and she's doing things to cover that stress or compensate for that stress that are causing her to be a person that she's really not. I don't think Donna's a bad person, but I think that's a really, really detrimentally bad thing. And I'm hopeful that we're going to see Donna turn a corner here in a little while. All right, Joe gets a note or sees a note on his computer that Cameron's at the trailer and Bosworth calls for Cameron while he's there. They uh, talk a little bit, and the next thing you know, they're having a beer together. Yeah. Really talking, man-to-man talking, Michelle. Is that what that was? Yeah, go and sit I down and have a beer. I understand it, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Bosworth talks about Diane leaving him and the price, but it was really his, him saying about himself was really wanting to know if I, if I could still shake things up. If I could still shake things up. <laughs> Joe? Yeah, but that's perfect because that's what you said. That's what you said last time. Well, that's what, that it went who said that? Way that's what Cameron said. Still see if I can do it. I want to know if I can do it. Right, but you said it about Boz. When Boz was wanting the money from Gordon, you said that it was not just about, you know, the money and the investing and whatever. It was about that he wanted, or the retirement, that he wanted to to know that that he still had it. He so wants to, to be in play. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. want to be a retired guy in the boat. He wants to be in play. And you called that weeks ago. Well, they have a really good common rapport, Joe and Boz here. Um, Boz admires Joe's honesty. He sees in Joe what Gordon failed to see, that Joe's honesty with Cameron. And Joe reveals his desire to have kids with Boz, and Boz kind of gets it. Like uh, he says, he, he doesn't say it, but you can kind of tell that Boz thinks, oh, that's maybe not such a bad idea. You'd be good at that. You'd be good with kids. Well, right. And we've also seen Diane, before she proposed to him, before she brought him in a card from his grandchild. And it really made Boz light up. So Boz knows the significance and the importance of that when that's something that's meaningful to you. And he sees that, I think, maybe in Joe. All right, Donna's Pat Benatar wild ride, Michelle. She gets pulled over singing to Pat Benatar for drunk driving. Gordon, it was probably just the singing. That's Gordon bails her out. Yeah. Counterpoint to the very first episode of the whole show where she does the exact same with the kids in the car to bail Gordon out. Yep. Or pick him up anyway. Yep. And interesting, Gordon drives himself, which is important because later on in this episode, they show him driving with the driver again. Yeah. What was up with that? I didn't think Gordon was driving anymore. Well, he's not. That's how okay. special of a trip this is to go okay. help Donna. Okay. Um, and Donna says, I mean, this is kind of an interesting scene. Donna says that her 22-year-old self would be crushed by the present Donna. What would you think about that? I think she's right. I think she's seeing, hopefully... Okay, first of all, in this scene, she is making excuses, and she's really, it's distasteful. I had two glasses of wine that cop obviously needed to fill his quota. I mean, just ugly, ugly Donna. And then she goes into the fact of the 22-year-old. She pictures her 22-year-old self walking in. So she's maybe seeing her ugliness and... Then, of course, Gordon touches her by telling her that he, that 
she is a compilation of all those people. The young Donna wasn't so naive. The Donna now isn't so ruthless. And I love this person. And that really seemed to reach her somewhere. I'm hope I'm hopeful that it does. Yeah. So he. Re- why do you think she didn't reach out to his hand when he reached out to her hand? She wouldn't take his hand. Yeah, I noticed that. I didn't notice that honestly till the second watching. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. What do you think? Did you get a take on it? Mm, I just think it's a better story that she doesn't take his hand. That she, that you know she takes his hand. They're back together. You know, that's that's like sappy. The fact that she doesn't and it's complicated and she can't it can't just fix it by Gordon being back with her and reaching out and taking her hand. She's broken. She's broken and needs to be fixed, but she needs to be fixed by things that she figures out, not by Gordon just being her. You know, Gordon's coped with their divorce and separation. She has not coped very well. She hasn't had any relationships She's had sex with guys, but nothing that's like anything meaningful. She really has no friends. Gordon has friends. He has like people that like him. He's got a successful company. You know, he's good with Haley. Uh, he's not. He's not the drunk anymore. He was the first drunk, but he doesn't seem to. I don't know if he quit drinking altogether, but he, I don't think he has because I think he's had a beer or two every now and then. Yeah. But he's but he's healthy now. And she's not. And it can't just be... She has to fix herself, I think, is the message. Well, yeah, but don't you think they're teasing us that they're going to be back together? We should note that No, I she hope was, not. That's what I think. I know t- you hope not. I know you do. I know you hate that. But we should also note that she was pulled over to We Belong Together. Okay. So but I think it's better for the story if she doesn't resolve it with Gordon, she resolves it with Donna herself. Maybe Donna's her best Donna with Gordon. Maybe. But she didn't take his hand, Michelle. She didn't. I know. So we'll see. All right, Donna goes to get the release from Cameron. She's dreading it. She drives up in her super expensive car, decked to the nines in her super expensive business outfit. Uh, Cameron's in her overalls. <laughs> They sit down and and write the or show her signing her name onto the agreement. No money is exchanged. Yeah, Cameron doesn't want it. What would you think of that? Well, I thought something wrong, and then I listened to the writers tell talk about this scene, and I got corrected. I thought that she didn't sign that Cameron didn't sign or didn't accept the money, so she could say, "You can't just buy me off, and everything's a square deal now that everything's level and equal again." Like if okay, I, don't I didn't ta- think that at all. Okay, well I thought that, and that uh-huh. like if if you if I let you pay me off, or if I pay you off, then we're then the square square deal. But the, the, what did you think? And then I'll tell you what the writers thought. I felt like Cameron just didn't want the money for it. She didn't feel good about what she had done, and so she did not want to be compensated for it. Okay. Maybe partly right, but here's so the the writers actually verified what you said earlier that um, that Donna's worst fear was that Cameron was the genius and Donna was only along for the ride, and that Cameron could care less about credit for anything. She just wanted to help Boss. That's what the writers said their intention was. Yeah, Cameron doesn't care about anything for credit or even for what I was saying that I want to see if I could do it. She just wanted to help Boss. Yeah. So. Um, 
Some Redditors, Michelle, made the power clothing observation that in the first scene, Donna's walking around that table with her, that conference table with her red blazer. And she's all dressed in neutral clothing now. And Cameron has the power clothing because she has the red top on underneath her overalls. Hmm. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it counts if you've got on overalls with the with the cuffs turned up to mid mid calf. I'm, well, you I'm, could have any color shirt underneath, but she had a red, pretty strong red shirt. So right. they might have something there. So Donna says, "Don't worry, I won't tell Joe." And Cameron says, "It's okay. He already knows." So Cameron looks, or Donna looks, a little shocked at this. Like, wow, I wish I, you know, I wish I had the power to be honest up front and direct with people like that right it's like she has to admire cameron she has to admire her for not wanting money for this and she has to admire her for the fact that she's been honest in her relationship yeah and remember the little dig that boz gave cameron too like it would be a shame if joe had to find out about this and then she <laughs> she went and told him directly so she took away all the power of that being some sort of an outside threat by just being honest Yep. And I think this really registers with Donna, like, wow, honesty, hmm, not, maybe not a bad policy. Right, I hope, I hope. So Cameron asked Donna if she's okay, which is really kind of powerful too, I thought. Yeah, if that MCI truck hadn't come up, we might have gotten a real conversation about it. That was a, a mood killer. MCI is going to hook her up with the satellite Internet and MCI is the company that shut down Calnec too. If you remember, they sold out to MCI. Oh, I didn't remember. Yeah, good catch. So they wouldn't sell them the extra broadband to carry the business they needed. Mm-hmm. All right, now Gordon's with a driver, Michelle. He goes into the hound dog to get breakfast, and he meets Vanessa and her tattoos. And it suddenly clicks with Gordon. Yeah, I called this jumpy, too fast scene number four. Because how could he possibly make this connection? He sees the sparrows. I guess that's kind of a unique thing. But what if the what if the sparrow was just something common in the youth culture that kids are getting tattoos and they think it's a cool picture? I mean, what if it's just a cartoon somewhere? How does he make this direct, direct connection? Like, wow, this is like the lover of my daughter. Okay, I'm I'm gonna have to give him this though, and I don't think that it that they would have that he would have made that connection, but I think it all came rushing, rushing toward him at one time. The conflict Haley's obviously feeling and what's going on with her that he's sensing. The conversation with Joe, where Joe was saying Haley's more like me, or she's kind of like me, or something like that, and um, and the things that that Joe was kind of trying to hint to with Gordon that Gordon just wouldn't hear. I think he heard all of that. Plus the fact that he knows she wants to go there. And he even made a point when Joe came in his office of saying, I don't know why she'd want to go there. The food's terrible. And I think it all came rushing toward him at one moment of why Haley wanted to go there. Yeah, that makes sense. So one thing even worse, Michelle. What about breakfast? What about breakfast for the driver? Right. Gordon orders one burrito and a small coffee. Come on, I dude. I know. I know. Get the guy a cup of coffee at a least. Churro or something. Right. Right. All right. Next scene. Cameron's hooked up and happy, and that's how it closes out. 
Yeah, and I was just about she she goes in there and she presses that button and it's just like it's like she has slipped into her her Calgon bath, right? She is so happy and so peaceful. And I loved that, but I had to call call it because I thought there's no way. She's in the middle of a field, she does not have a telephone line. There's no way this is happening. And then they pan out and she has this monster satellite dish on top of the airstream. So what so, is she happy about? To be back. She's back. She feels her power. She feels at home. She she has everything she's been searching for with the airstream, uh, with everything so that means she's happy away from joe because she could have easily connected to all this with joe's house getting yeah no i don't i don't think it means that i think it just means that i mean cameron's always wanted her own space okay but that's troublesome if you're in a relationship serious relationship with someone yeah yeah like, maybe like two hours away bonnie dune is in santa cruz i think joe's in probably silicon valley somewhere it's far it's like a two-hour drive i didn't necessarily take it as anything against joe she just i felt like wanted her creative space to be if you remember how she used to do stuff she would be up all night long and we talked about it a bunch about her throwing the the cheeto wrappers in the floor i mean she was like a slob a major slob she was like so focused she didn't take time to eat she didn't take time to shower she didn't take time to do anything change her clothes i get it i get it she's happy in her trailer but what but that means that there's no joe because joe won't live in the trailer Joe's made that pretty clear, and now she's like far away from him, and she's happy. So what? So that means there's happiness related to being apart from Joe. There's happiness related to being something that's not a part of Joe, but I don't know if it's necessarily related to being apart from Joe. Yeah, they go hand in hand because to to have that one, she can't have the other. It's clear. She asked him to move there with her. She wanted to be with him, and he said no, but she still wants to be there. And now she's permanent. She's made herself more permanent there because she can get, she can run her operation from there and doesn't need to get, doesn't need to make it just the weekend getaway. She can stay there. Maybe. Maybe. I, maybe I'm choosing not to see it like that because I, would be happy they're not going to be able to bring in somebody else and show me joe being happy and i really want joe to be happy well joe maybe joe and cameron are happy learning what they've learned but not being together because it's clear that they're not going to be together but this development of events it's just an internet hookup mike I think it could still work out. Read the cards, man. Internet hookup means you can stay there now and not <laughs> have to go in somewhere else for internet. Yeah. Okay. All right, Michelle, did you watch any of the next ons? Not really. No. All right. So spoilers, everybody. This is what's happening in 407. 
Cameron and her angel are in the Bonnie Doon field. And uh, she turns down a call from Joe, I think. Oh, okay. Like, I can't talk right now. Well, okay. While her angel, while that girl is with her in the field. Okay. I mean, they're not rolling around in the grass or anything, but they're standing next to each other in the in Bonnie Doon. Uh, there's a scene where Joe and Gordon are talking, and I think it's Joe who says, I'm not taking any business advice from Donna. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Trip says Rover is crushing the competition. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So Rover's raging. If Rover is doing great, oh my gosh, you don't think that Donna is going to somehow sabotage Rover because she's not running it. For Comet. No, but I'm not okay. done telling you what my next ons are, Michelle. Okay, okay, sorry. Diane says, I'm stepping back from the managerial partnership. So she's stepping out of the company. Right, I think I heard that one, yeah. Cameron cancels something. This is with, this is the scene with the field in the field with the girl. Cameron cancels. That, that's what she says. Not that I can't talk, but she cancels something with Joe. Like, we were supposed to do this, but I can't. Okay. Um... Donna, I think, says I, – maybe I wrote this down wrong. I would plot against you, and Joe says it wouldn't be the first time. And then Gordon and Donna talk, and this is maybe the most telling that they um, they talk about how Rover has way more traffic now than Comet, but Comet has a value because of its stickiness. So people – Rover gets Rover gets a lot of people clicking through and looking at it and using it, but people don't stay on it very long. But people stay much longer on Comet because it's more interesting. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, maybe that, that leads us to the Comet being the chat room. Community, yeah. Community something. Interesting. Well, Michelle, that's all. That's it for 406. You have any final thoughts? Um, no, I don't think so. I think we covered it. Four, I'm shocked that we just have a few more left and it's all over. 407 is who needs a guy? Who needs a guy? Ooh, that's not good. And Joe, it's the the preview is besides what I just told you. Joe and Gordon discuss Comet's future. Donna takes a vacation. A new collaborator challenges Cameron. And Boz and Diane make a life-altering choice. Hmm. So we predicted before seeing this episode, that, or I did anyway, that they were going to get married. Maybe they will, or maybe they won't. Maybe they decide not to get married. Yeah, and it was interesting when Boz told Joe, he said, maybe Cameron will surprise you about the kid thing. And then Joe told Boz... Maybe she'll surprise you, too, when Diane pulled up, mm-hmm. as far as being understanding, maybe, of everything. I don't know. That, that, so what, do you, what, are your, what are your odds of Diane and Boz getting married? I think Diane and Boz will get married. I'm, I'm going to look uh, positively at their relationship. Yeah, you have okay. like a thousand percent sappiness waiting factor in your, in your prediction, though. Mike, I, it's I not that, over seven hundred percent. I think they will too. I just think they will. I think it's stupid for Diane to walk away, and I think it'd be really stupid for her to end it. Like, oh, I just can't trust you anymore. 
I mean, she loves right. the guy. She cares right. about him and loves him, and you forgive people that you love. Exactly. All right, that's it, Michelle. 407 next week. See you then. Any, okay. Anybody needs to reach you, what do they do? Um, on Twitter, I'm at Michelle from TN. And I just want everybody to unfollow me. <laughs> at Skating Why? Tweets. I'm too busy. <laughs> you are not. You don't mean that. All right, Michelle. Talk to you next week. <laughs> okay, talk to you then. Bye. Bye-bye.